what are your thoughts on this elusive topic called gender relations, gender dynamics? So gender dynamics, you could think of as being how do we as men interact with women, but I think it's also about how do we as men interact with other men as well. Um, and there's obviously a whole layer of, of questions, uh, well, questions, answers, suppositions there as well. Um, and even, I guess, you could break that down further into things like age and, and things, things like that as well. Um, to kick this off, I guess I would say I act differently around men to, uh, than I, I do with women. I generally find it easier to make friends with, with women than I do men. Um, I've absolutely no idea why that is, <laughs> um, but that's just my, my more natural comfort zone. And with that, I'm going to kick it over to somebody else and have a think. <laughs> I think that's interesting because I, through my life, have always thought I made friends easier with women because I was very close to my mother and my grandmother and, and my two sisters um, in comparison to my three brothers. Um, but thinking about that over the years, one of the, one of the reasons I think it possibly is because I don't like football. I have no interest in football whatsoever. <laughs> I played rugby at junior school, but quickly stopped when I got trampled on my studs. Um, so the things in my life that I really like, art and music and having a laugh, quite often men are serious about sport, and if you can't do that chat, it quickly becomes apparent. Um, so I think there's, there's a whole host of reasons, aren't there? But um, gender is something I've thought a lot about through my working life because I was involved in a project called Men's Health Forum and um, at the beginning of that process around about the mid-90s um, it raised some interesting questions about competition so the women's health movement in the UK and around the world had been working very hard to fight oppression and fight the inequalities around health that women were facing and were very worried that you know, the Men's Health Forum was another right-wing, uh, let's bash women and make sure we still get more than the pie, or more of the pie than we're supposed to. So that threw up questions for that around me professionally, but personally I still have this same thing going on that I'm always more comfortable around women, and I think it might be to do with competition as well. But I don't know what other people think about that. You know, do we compete as men without really thinking about it? You made an interesting point there, I never actually thought about it, but I've also got three big sisters, my mum, and I was brought by them. Yeah. I think I just realised there, maybe that's one of the reasons behind it. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think I'm, it's an interesting thing you said. Because myself as well, previously we talked about was my, my, my dad and my brother were always working when I was young. I was brought up, because I was a baby in the family, so by the time I was wee, you know, way, so I was with my sisters and my mum, so it kind of makes sense now. Yeah. Do I see it as well? Um, myself, I love football, <laughs> so I get a lot of guys as well football. But when with guys, it normally means getting arguments right. rather than actually friendship. But it's having debate, um, which you don't only have them. <laughs> That's it. But, but I see the way you said that. Yeah. Again, perhaps taking the kind of uh, perspective of brought up in a certain type of culture. Um, there was always this element of segregation that women done the women stuff and the guys done the guy stuff. Um, so 
I would say initially I was perhaps uneasy approaching women and having conversations, just general chit chat with women and it was always it would always be your guys that I'd be chatting to and stuff like that. Um, but I found over the years that as this man was saying, you can't really hold a conversation with a guy, an in-depth conversation with a guy. Okay. With a woman, you know, you feel more, well, I feel more relaxed talking about particular issues and we can really have a good conversation about it. It doesn't, guys can't hold that type of conversation. Um, but perhaps people that recognise that, guys that do recognise that, um, yeah, I've managed to find some guys that will be able to open up and have deeper conversations than general blokes do. Um, but my upbringing, perhaps, it had been quite segregated. Guys on one side, women on the other side. And that was just, guys done guy stuff, women done women stuff. Um, but um, yeah, certainly I'm, I'm, I'm up for, you know, putting it all aside and just, um, Exposing myself to, you know, other ideas, uh, and um, it's definitely it's, it's, um, it's all going to be beneficial, you know, to open up that way. I have three close male friends, and the commonality between them is that I've had, I've known them for over twenty years, yeah. and we are at the point where we can discuss things quite deeply, yeah. and I would say things to them that I don't say to anybody else. But it's only three out of twenty years. Yeah. Um, do you, I? I find it takes that time to develop into it. But although, having said that, with these three, I think fairly quickly I realised that they were they were open to that kind of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and the more you do it, the more it grows. I think, or the expectation is there that you will have that level of interaction. Yeah. But. I've, I've not met many men who I get that feeling that I would want to do that with. Yeah. But what I also find is we're sitting here as guys having this chat. I'm sure someone who generally doesn't have that conversation was introduced into this group would somehow find like, okay, these blokes are having a chat about it. They've been quite open about it. You know, and I'll give a wee stab at it as well because it's, a, it's an accepted thing. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any kind of uh, stigma around these guys, you know. So, although you might have only three friends that are around there, I'm sure that other friends that you perhaps didn't expect to open up to, if they were introduced into your circle or, or a, a meeting that you had or you had a wee get-together somewhere or out for a coffee, you'd probably be surprised that they might end up opening up as well. Yeah. And they might be surprised, you know, that way as well. But it's creating that space, you know, as we're always talking about, is creating these spaces. I think uh, if, uh, if, if they're there, people will respond to that. You know, they might not expect to, but unexpectedly they might just respond to that as well. Um, but that is given that environment has to be created. But. That's, that's a really interesting point about sort of giving permission, isn't it, and, and, and all that kind of thing. There's several points been made over the last couple of minutes that have just reminded me of a book I read uh, a year or two back. Um, it's written by the artist uh, Grayson Perry, 
um, who does pottery, um, won the Turner Prize, um, has an alter ego where he dresses up in women's clothing, uh, and the book is called The Descent of Man. Um, and I was reminded of it for so many reasons, so I'm going to pick up on your point about competition. He says, yes, men compete with each other. Um, and he also made a point as well, which Ram, you picked up on, um, and this is also part of gender dynamics. He said, God, men dress really boringly. Um, and you pointed out today, we're all wearing blue and all that kind of thing. None of us are coming here wearing pink. We're all being safely male coloured and all that kind of thing. And that's also, I think, part of that gender dynamic between us, you know, um, in that you're, you're, there's, some, there's some kind of forms where we obviously do want to get along together. We're, we're dressed, you know, smartly. We're not dressed flamboyantly or anything like that. Wait till tomorrow for my yeah. case. Um, but I won't go the full the Grayson challenge. Perry. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's, that's also part of the, the, the dynamics where we're, we're, we're kind of working. It's almost an unconscious one, I think. I should add as well, I was actually going to wear a shirt, a light coloured shirt, but I realised there's a stain on it, so this was the last minute. <laughs> so my, my intention was to wear something lighter. So, that, yeah. so for me then, from those comments, gender, there's a definite sort of, it's not a, a herd mentality, but a, a collective, let's check out the situation and go with it. It reminds me of a situation I was in doing some work in the prisons in Scotland whereby if you talk to a group of either prisoners or prison wardens they would be very close you know they, we're talking about people being open and it was about um, sexual health actually um, but if you talk to them individually they presented very very differently um, and there was there's a real uh, struggle in that prison setting for people if they show weakness of any kind and I know it sounds a bit cliched but it was born out over a you know a long project and the guys were saying to me well yeah in that room I can only tell you certain stuff I've got to act in a particular way because if I give anything you know it will be picked up afterwards and so we had groups of men saying all sorts of ridiculous things that they knew weren't true and then when you talk to them one-to-one, -one, they would ask questions about what they needed to know about sexual health, about their partners, and about, you know, keeping themselves healthy. Um, and, you know, dress is one thing that we do to fit in. I thought, right, I'm going to, you know, a particular set of buildings today. I need to look in a certain way. I play the game. Um, but checking out that openness of, of the group I go into, I think, works in both directions, doesn't it? Because you go into a group where you think, I am not safe here, then you don't open up. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking about gender in terms of male gender and the other expressions of gender, it used to be simpler, didn't it, with male and female? And um, huge arguments going on at the moment around um, uh, transgender people and how they fit with the rest of society comfortably and, and what that means for all the groups moving around around each other so i think there's some complications around that that we've got huge work to do and it, and it i think for men we have been quite slow to talk to each other about it maybe traditionally maybe societally you know it's still not it's moving isn't it it is moving but slowly um but given we're a bit behind, 
I think it's a struggle. You know, a group getting together like this, set up to have these conversations, is what groups of women do on the school run. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not or while they're going around the supermarket. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we have some catching up to do in understanding ourselves and how we fit with being male and how we fit with being sat around everybody else in society and being able to be genuinely ourselves. Um, but I find that sometimes um, if I've got some lads over to the house, quite surprisingly, there might be one topic that's discussed and it really does open everyone up into that discussion. It introduces them and it's it's not planned. Yeah. It's just it happens spontaneously. Uh, and I can imagine like my dad's generation and all that, I can't see them sitting there. They're too much of a man's man to kind of yeah. uh, let out these kind of, they'll be talking about day-to-day -day issues, who's doing what, you know, how whatever but uh, certainly I've found I've, I've, I've experienced it quite often in the house where we're just sitting there having a gab having a chit chat and there'll be a topic and it moves on to another topic and then it gets quite personal and people are sharing things and uh, it's actually it feels good to be honest letting it out and talking about it and then being able to give advice to others you know regards to that as well um and sometimes my wife would come into the room and she'll sit there, what's going on? And not all, always, on some occasions they'll just clamp up. Yeah. But on some occasions, it's just the flow's going. And then she'll get a wee thingy of it, a wee glimpse of what's been said and she'll kind of put her bit in. And then if they start to accept, uh, it's actually not too bad talking with the women in the room as well. And then it will they'll just extend on um, so definitely there are changes there are changes but I think in terms of as you're saying for women they can just do it in an instant you know it's, it's, they'll, it's like they'll pick up the phone and another phone and that's it forever you can forget well, about it <laughs> so what entails that sense of safety that sense of comfort I think it's once you uh, build a, um, a good understanding with someone uh, and you feel safe with that person, what you're saying, that they're not going to uh, skewer that idea um, and they're actually going to listen to what you're saying. Um, I mean, there are people that I know, if you have conversation, guys, you conversation, oh, no, no, I think you're doing it absolutely wrong. They're not even listening to you. They're already throwing their opinion in. And that just, that's a killer. Is that that I can fix it? I, no, I they know better. The They're a guy and they know better. I'm a guy, uh, no, nonsense, you're just thinking, you know, it's like they don't give a chance for you to breathe and let you fully kind of explain how you feel. Get And they don't actually give the opportunity to sit and go, right, okay, let me step into his shoes and see how he's feeling. They don't give that opportunity. It's they know better. and that's just nonsense and oh, this is how you have to do it and you know and that's it and it just kills it completely and then you just clamp up and you go well you don't know any better you don't know any better but well, to just you're not really interested in listening yeah yeah well sometimes it's also a protective shield that it's too close to home for me 
So I deflect by bringing in my two cents so that I don't have to go deep. You've chosen to go deep. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you what you can do or what should you do yeah. or you must do. Yeah, yeah. Versus I need to reflect. Yeah. Because if I listen, yeah. then I need to feel. And yeah. if I feel, then I need to think and really reflect on how it impacts my life. Yeah. And that's a barrier that yeah. some men don't go through. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what you're or describing as a kind of a... It's kind of a litmus test. Yeah. It's a you, you pass or you don't. And yeah. Whilst you were describing that, I was thinking... It, it made me understand that I, I have my version of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, it's actually radical honesty. Um, if we get beyond the superficial chat and I say to somebody, you know, and it'll usually be made in a remark like, yeah, I put on a ton of weight recently, but actually I'm on antidepressants, so what do you expect? Mm-hmm. How they react to that mm-hmm. determines, do we go here or not? I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, I've been mad, so who cares? <laughs> um, and from that point on, I can tell whether we can actually start to when, take it further or, or just, yeah, no. And I appreciate that's not going to work on everybody because some people will go to that kind of thing. So, you know, if you're on like, I don't know, discussing, I mean, your sexual health Im- immediately on meeting somebody, that's, that's probably a barrier that's, that's probably unacceptable. <laughs> so it's brilliant that you mentioned that you won't put on a mask with, with people in that situation is what I'm hearing. The mask will be worn up to a certain point. And then you call it quits. Yes. Yeah. Can you go backwards from that point? So let's say you take off your mask yeah. and they, on that occasion, seem open to listening and hearing who you yeah. are uh, and not using that in a way that's damaging or whatever, or however we want to put that. Yeah. Do you... Do you just stay open with that person? Because I'm thinking there are occasions I know when I've said, yeah, I'm fine to people who can deal with me not being fine. But on that particular day, I don't want to open up. I don't want to be asking for help that day. So everything's fine. That's that's really interesting. Um, and that's deepened my understanding of, uh, and, 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 the, and I'll come through in the response that I've, I've given you there. So I suppose that the act, that one, of the, that one there, of revealing something about myself is really mu- very much the litmus test yeah. that says, do you pass this or not? It's actually, it's not really a discussion around my health. Yeah. So it's not at that point a, oh, and can you help me out with it? No. So it's actually a slightly different, different thing to that. But I hadn't realized that when I said that, so thank you. <laughs> Um, and I suppose that's what happens, isn't it? You start talking about this stuff, and you, your self-awareness is is expanded, and that's why it feels good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, that's definitely a, a, a part of this. If if we say we have a mask, mm-hmm. I know that I take it on and put it off mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. with everybody, um, and there are probably no people in my life that ever get just raw me all the time Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's what everybody does to stay balanced yeah yeah. I think myself as well you're saying there I think as well for me it's probably only a few individuals I've been raw trust to an extent even it's not it's not fully yeah Um, I would speak to somebody, 
they'll be comfortable in the bathroom move, they'll talk to me. But when it comes to my turn, I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. I'm always, <laughs> I've always done that. I'm alright, it's cool. It's alright. Um, very rarely I'd go, to, yep, actually, if, this, this, if I do even talk about it, it'll be just a wee bit here, a wee bit there, just to kind of test the surface a wee bit, but then I'll back down. So, is there a difference between a mask and a boundary? And if there is, what is it? You just have to gauge who you're talking to and how much they're taking in and then you know, you know what, there's no point in taking this any further. And then you'll just brush it off on comes a mask. You know, you don't review anymore. And that is a boundary, I guess, you know. Uh, and that's defined by who you're interacting with, I guess. Um, Good. Can I ask a question of, of you all? So, um, in my professional life, I come across Lots, I come across um, mixed gender meetings. Well, I say mixed gender, it's, it's often say, for example, 80% women, you know, 20% men. And the men just talk too damn much. <laughs> I don't know if you come across that in your, in, in your lives, and if so, how would you, you kind, of, kind of handle it? Um, because it's something, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware of in conversation, and I try to draw back from this. You, you made me think of that when you sort of say, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a step back. Um, encouraging other people to speak. I don't know, it's, it's something I haven't really got a great answer to, but I, I see it happening. And I have a few examples of that. Recently we, we held a meeting where we invited, we specifically invited women to talk about their lives. And there were a handful of largely middle-aged white men <laughs> dominating the conversation and like, um, has been said already <laughs> saying you know this is how you should think this is what you should yes. do but largely in my in my working life over the last you know 30 years I've worked mostly in professions where women have been in management positions um, most of my managers have, have been female um, and I've worked I suppose in sectors where that that male dominance hasn't been there Always when this topic comes up, I I don't usually have something to contribute because I've not really seen it in action. And I think in particular sectors, it does happen, definitely. But from my experience, um, and personally speaking, I, I don't speak enough in meetings. I've been told over the years, over and over and over again, get involved, you know, say what you think. And um, so I know that's one thing I'm not guilty of. Um, <laughs> so what's the role of silence then? And how, what does it serve? Yeah, I, I, one of my strengths is that I'm able to listen properly and I, and I do listen carefully. And those same managers that have told me off for looking bored in meetings or not engaging enough, <laughs> always when they've asked me a question, have always had a full response and I've always said afterwards, you always know what the answer is, so why don't you contribute it? at the time but I, I haven't changed since I was a boy I've always been quiet and like listening and watching what's going on and I'm better in a one-to-one -one situation than I ever am in a group so I suppose silence keeps me safe in a way it keeps me to what I know I'm good at and it allows me it allows me to listen because when I'm talking I'm not listening I'm thinking about what I'm going to say and um, I would rather hear about other people and I know myself very well 
I've had 50 years of knowing who I am. It's not that <laughs> exciting. Other people are always much more interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, sometimes being silent is, there's uh, wisdom in that as well. Because sometimes you need to close that voice inside you and start listening to others. Because like being here, being silent and listening to all your opinions and experiences, I'm learning a lot as well. Whereas if I just get talking and talking and talking and talking and go away, I'm none the wiser. I'm the same guy who walked through that door going back out there as well. So there is wisdom and just listen. It's not necessarily you always have to speak. Just be quiet sometimes. Do you think you'd learnt that at a particular age or, yeah. or over time or? Particular age. that made you go, ah, right, that's how that works? Um, I think when it just, in your youth, you're just too busy. You don't, you don't spend time sitting down chatting with people and stuff like that. So I think when that period came in my life where we would sit and have conversations with people, guys coming up and then we're having chatting away and stuff. Sometimes I'd, I'd talk and I'd think, and then they would talk and I think, man, I was an idiot for saying what I said. I was better just keep my mouth shut. And hearing other people, sometimes I thought, that's actually a very good response. Why did I not think, think like that? Not that uh, some sort of plagiarism where I'll say what they're saying, but moreover, um, I'm being taught, I'm, I'm learning, you know, how to respond. I've got the same feelings, I know what the guy's feeling, but he said that and I've you know, versed it very well. And, um, you know, and I don't sound like an idiot, <laughs> maybe the way I said it sort of thing, but uh, yeah, I think, I think it happened later on in life for me. It wasn't something earlier on, and never even thought of it. To be honest, I was too busy enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Tim, you brought up a point about playing the game. Do you want to share a bit more about that, and and how that plays a role in uh, being a man dealing with gender relations, gender dynamics? I think, in terms of playing a game around gender. It makes it sound a bit sinister, but it's not really. It's it's this concept for me of fitted in with society because we're, we're not in isolation ever. We have an impact on other people. Uh, and that's something for me that I learned at a particular time in life um, that you, you don't go about doing things that have no consequence. There's always somebody learning or watching or, or being impacted upon. So playing the game for me is making interaction with other people in the various circumstances that I've got to be in. So home, extended family, the workplace, um, making that happen in a, in a way with less friction because I don't know, I'm, I'm fairly laid back as a guy. I don't like arguments. I've never really liked confrontation which, you know, is part of my version of masculinity, which when I compare it to other people's, um, I sometimes feel a bit lacking in that regard. I'm always a bit afraid of taking somebody on. Um, so it's for an easy life, really, but also because, you know, 
there are consequences, like I say. So if I, if I charge about like a young bull in situations where that's not appropriate, I get into trouble. And usually throughout my life, I've, I started a family early. I, my first child at 22. Once you've got kids, you've got responsibilities. Work means looking after them. Um, for most men, I think there's that feeling of responsibility of being a provider that hasn't gone away, even though working patterns in modern life don't always reflect that anymore. There's that responsibility. So I can't mess it up because other people need me to earn a living. They need me to keep a job in a consistent way. So playing the game's about that, but it's also about making life easier for other people as well. Um, and in terms of gender, where it goes wrong, and, and we mentioned the Me Too movement, we maybe come on to that more, but fairly early on in my working life in Glasgow, I was sat in an office and I was a supervisor of a shift of people. And um, I saw, just saw across the room an incident of sexual harassment guy on a, uh, one of his female colleagues um, and it's just wrong you know it was obviously wrong what happened I had to deal with it and I dealt with it immediately and I was really pleased that I dealt with it immediately I dealt with it in a way that was sympathetic to both of those people um, but but with the strength of reaction that it required and that really reinforced in a working situation that there is a game to be played. You can't do stuff that you did as a kid. It wasn't right then, it's not right in work, and it's never gonna be right. So maybe playing the game's a, a sort of flippant term for these things, but it, it's about doing the right thing in the right circumstance because everything has consequences. I think it's actually less about playing the game so I didn't really understand this when we first started talking. I think it's about understanding the rules of the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you play sense. it and all that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, no, that, that's, that's, that was, that's really interesting. Thank you. It's really dealing with the situation there the best way possible. It's, it's also when you're dealing with a situation, it's your life experience, everything you've been through has got to that point. So you know best to engage with it, you know. So... Yeah, I think myself as well. I I tend to stay quite quiet as well. Well, I think I do anyway. I think I do. I, I think quite quiet. And I do prefer a more one-to-one -one rather than a big group of people. And I prefer to listen than actually speak up as well. Cause I like to just absorb information. Um, so I can, when you're talking about, if I can see where you come from from that. Um, yeah, I think it just, I think we just maybe type of people to absorb stuff in and just, okay, I will deal with the situation here. Tomorrow will be something different here. The next day will be something here different. You know, thing. But but um, is is there a a reason that we must speak? I mean, if we if we are listening to other people and we learn those elements of how to you know it changes our per perspective, then that's it. There's nothing for me to say. Those positive points that I've made here, I don't need to say anything. I would just know that I'll put that now, you know, into my armory, into my kind of thingy, you know, who I am and move on with it sort of thing. There's no need to say anything else. 
But that's, that's an interesting point though, isn't it? Are, are there times when we must speak? I had a conversation with one of my close friends on Saturday who had not seen for ages. And, and he was saying, which somebody said to me 20 years ago, you don't understand the impact that you have on people. Um, and you need to use it. You know, it's no good sitting at home thinking, I'll just watch telly again tonight. You need to interact with people because you have a positive influence on them. Um, and one of the, the things I've been thinking about recently in terms of that is, you know, for a long, long time I volunteered in various different settings and I haven't done that for a few years while my, my latest children, I haven't got hundreds, I've only got three. Um, well, my latest ones are quite small. Um, and I've really missed it. And I think I've missed it because of that interaction of, you said it's great to give advice earlier, and, um, and it does feel good to give things and to give support, not to be the I know it all, but yeah. to listen and advise yeah. carefully. So I think there are times where maybe us quiet kind of guys need to be louder, otherwise the loud guys just keep messing it up for everybody. Um, which sounds a bit bitter, but <laughs> but there is definitely a feeling that, you know, the loud people get what they want. You know, I, th I, th I think personally now I would speak out if I thought something was going in the wrong direction and I, I would personally I felt strongly about it, yeah, then then I would, I would speak about it. But um, if the same things have been said within a group of like-minded people, then I would feel there's no need yeah. for me to say it. that in that sense. That's what I meant, like being silent. But otherwise, yeah, most definitely if, if I felt, felt something very strongly about something and I thought, that's not good advice, that's not good for that person, I would say, no, no, actually you're wrong. You know, and this is why I feel that you're wrong. Or maybe not say that you're wrong, but to say, well, you know, this is how I think about it, perhaps, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, do, you, do you think, that sounds remarkably similar to how I sit and think in my head. You know, that's already been said, mm -hmm. I don't need to say it. Mm -hmm. I hate stuff that's said for the point of it, yeah, you know. <laughs> Chit-chat I'm terrible at because most of it's just like filling a space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people repeating things over and over that, you know, just so they can have their little yeah. moment in the sun, yeah or, yeah, or just they change a word or two, but it's yeah. the same thing. Just yeah. come on, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that the tipping point in stepping up and challenging somebody's behaviour that's that's out of line, and it doesn't happen very very often because. The people I choose to be with in my life are people who I know have similar values to my own and they're not going to be causing trouble yeah. for other people. But when, where it's happened in the past, it's been a... It's almost feels like a reckless, I'll charge in and sort this out. But in, a, in such a split second, you don't think about it. You know, that's wrong, I need to say something. I say that's out of line. And you either get a quite violent reaction in terms of what comes back at you because people don't like to be challenged. 
and I, and I don't think bullying behaviour, which is what we're talking about, you know, the sexist bullying behaviour in a bar or harassment or people, you know, in a very common thread throughout man's, a man's life in the UK is homophobia. So, you know, I've challenged people before on, on that. And if you are a homophobic bully, you don't like somebody saying to you, that's out of line. So what comes back is going to be quite aggressive, usually. And, and the experience of having somebody aggressively not accept your challenge or your advice, I think can be scary and put you off doing it a lot of the time. It's easier to stay quiet. Um, but what makes you in the moment, or what makes me in the moment, rise to that and make a challenge? I'm not really sure why I feel confident sometimes to do it and why I don't. Maybe I check out the scenario first. Maybe I'm anticipating what will come back and that stops me always making a challenge. But I know I could do it more. You know, I could spend, you could spend, anybody could spend their time wandering about Glasgow making appropriate challenges because there's plenty of terrible <laughs> behaviour goes on. <laughs> I suppose that's why you have that common theme of vigilante heroes, isn't it? That in our entertainment, we love that stuff. But I think it's, uh, it's, it's just a social acceptance almost in certain environments when these things happen it's like a guy whistling at someone or making a comment like it's almost accepted although it's not right people know it's not right it's almost accepted so you standing up you look like the oddball for standing up and saying listen what you're doing that's come off it and I think, yeah, that kind of thing, yeah, 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 bit of banter, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll brush it off and uh, perhaps they won't look at the seriousness of what they, they, they've done, how that impacts the other person, but, um, so I understand you have to gauge where you are and what kind of response you're going to get back and the kind of surroundings that you're in and like yourself, it hardly happens with me because I don't have that kind of group of people that would behave in that way either. So I don't often come across that. It would be from a third party somewhere else, somewhere else where it, as an observer I would perhaps see that, but not necessarily directly connected to me. So if they've got nothing to do with me and I just walk up to their table and say, oh, come on, that was bad what you've done. I know it wouldn't end well, not in Glasgow. <laughs> it wouldn't end well. Uh, you just don't know what way it's going to go, you know. And people don't like being policed. It's almost you're policing them and tell them, telling them how they should think or behave. Generally, people don't like that. That's very confrontational, you know, for, for you to do that. But if you're with your mates and your pals and something happens that triggers something offline, something ethically not okay. I'd feel comfortable to say it. Yeah. I'd feel comfortable to say it. And I'd hope that... The other people that are with me would back me up as well and say, and even if it didn't, because I have a relation, if I call them my friends, then they're a friend for a reason. Um, and friendship comes with, uh, a lot A lot comes with friendship, and that's one of the things that I would be able to turn around and say to them without, you know, me getting a kind of negative reaction from or, or them attacking me or anything. Um, and if it did, if it felt very strongly about the way the thingy, then 
I would just give it just as much back because we have that relationship, you know. Um, so, yeah, if it, if it happened with people that I, I knew, I would definitely speak out if I was very uncomfortable about it, absolutely. Yeah, myself as well, I think it's the group of friends I've got, I did not, the, the situation doesn't normally happen, but if it does happen, someone speaks up, because of the dynamics, it, everyone takes it seriously, well, okay, I must have been out of line or something, so there is that. I mean, I've been a few times, I've seen, this, I was in a situation, I was on the train once, and this guy was getting harassed, it was like, I don't know, midnight or something, the guy harassing her, but no one was doing anything, I got up, said, what are you doing? And then the guy looked, I mean, the guy eventually moved away, because no one else did anything, but he moved away, but I didn't do much. But um, all I remember was everyone looking at me, looking at it, it was a bit weird that I stood up. <laughs> and I was like, come on, I had to do something, you know? Yeah. But um, no, it's like, it's like that. Myself, I tend to stay quiet, but if something is, a moment's required to speak up, speak up. You know, it's, it's, if something just is behind something, you need to speak up. Like you're saying vigilante, there is a bit, people do like that kind of thing. Every single TV show is vigilantes now, yeah. you know? And everyone likes that, you know? And, you know. So this, this is a, a, a story um, and what came out of it was I changed my behaviour on the shame I felt after it. And this is actually a story of um, not calling somebody out when I damn well should have done it. Um, and so this, uh, the story is um, I was studying uh, abroad and there was, we were privileged to be let into um, a investors meeting. So and the, the, the format was people would come along, pitch an idea, um, and these people would decide whether they were going to invest or not. I mean, we're not talking just Dragon's Den hypothetical stuff here. This was actual big money, life-changing stuff. And there was a woman who had a PhD and she had some amazing medical device that would actually just benefit tons of people and all that kind of thing. And the format of these things is the personal pitch, then they'll go away and it'll be discussed in the room. The first reaction was, she's got a nice ass, um, which, you know, and I, it's one of those moments where I, I, it, it almost it just didn't register. But one of my colleagues across the room um, got up and the only thing that she could do was just to say, I've had it with this meeting. She didn't say anything because there's also a power dynamic in there. We were in there on sufferance. This was a privilege for us. This were, these were very rich white men um, who had more powerful than, who were more powerful than us. And if we'd said, you're out of line, matey, <laughs> just, you know, grow up, yeah. bang, there would have been immense repercussions because um, for one, for calling out one bad apple, future generations of students would be denied the opportunity to actually see what was going on in the background there. Yeah. And I, but my shame is that I didn't join that person in just walking out the room and making a complaint. Um, and I think now, I would hope now the sting of shame is mightier than the lash of some drunkard's mouth and that I would do something. I guess it's always that first experience yes. that you have to go through yes. perhaps to have that realisation yeah. and that shame to come upon you because you were, you never really done it because you didn't think it was wrong, you knew it was wrong, yeah. but because of the power of influence here, yeah, the people at the top, the, the, 
I mean, they held the advantage because, you know, they were the ones that were in the room providing this to number of people that could benefit from it. So you didn't want to disrupt that. So obviously the, the, the connotation of what you, how you would have reacted and the reason that you decided was based on that then. So um, I can understand why you felt the shame at that, you know, afterwards when you reflected on that. Yes. But at the same time, you can understand why you kept quiet at that moment in time as well. But the good thing is, is you've realised from that and you know next time it ain't going to happen. Not in my watch, it's just not going to happen. Absolutely, yeah. And I want to commend you for for bringing that to the to the table. And I would like to commend these men for having got there quicker than me. <laughs> and for, for each and every one of the ways, actually having done it in action. We all do it at different times in our yeah. lives. Yeah. It's the, the impact is the decision. Yeah. To make a choice, to create change, to stand up for those that don't have a voice, yeah. or that don't have the ability to stand up for themselves for whatever purpose, yeah. be it you know, on a train or at work or yeah. in a personal, in, you know, uh, relaxed environment. And one of the most important things about shame that keeps shame going, that feeds shame, is silence and secrets. The minute that you release the secret out into the world, the more you share it, not as a point of a badge, but as a point of recognition, as a shift in mindset, releases the power of the shame. And that is immensely empowering in its own right. I think around gender for me we forget that it's also about power and personal power and personal responsibility are things that come with experience and come with age but that there are wonderful examples of, of young people getting there quicker than us always um, realizing that they can take responsibility and make action under their own steam you know, Greta Thunberg, fantastic example of that at the moment. And whatever people say about her background, she has been fantastic over these last few years as an example of a young person just making something happen. So for me, yeah, this idea of going with the crowd in terms of, of stereotypical gender behaviour uh, is something that we need to try and remember as men as, and to teach our young men and our children that you, you do have the power over your own behaviour. So you, there is a decision-making process in play. You don't have to do what other people expect you to. You're always going to be in control of, do I do that thing or do I not? You just have to remember that you can stop and think before you open your mouth, before you say something negative, before you hit somebody. You can always stop and think. Um, Take a breath, step back. Doing nothing in these circumstances is always going to be better than doing something that you regret until that you feel shame over. Well, I suppose the doing nothing was the yeah. was the problem there. But yeah. you know, not taking a negative action. I mean, um, we don't have to go with the herd. And there's a long time to look back at things. So if you do something that's not quite right, you're going to carry it for a long time. It's, it's worth stopping and thinking always. I think if you've um, got certain values, certain morals, and your gut tells you something's not right, 
maybe you should step up and do something about it. And if it doesn't go your way, at least you can look back and say, well, I did make a stance. I'm not going to always get my way, not really get your way, but get people to see sense in, in, in terms of whether they've made a mistake or not. Um, and just do it and you there may be repercussions negative repercussions towards yourself but at least you'll feel happy that you know i was out there put my neck out anyway it didn't work it didn't work <laughs>